Four days ago in his inaugural address, Chicago's new mayor, Brandon Johnson, celebrated and welcomed illegal aliens to his city. The soul of Chicago tells us we will never close our doors to those who come here in search of a better life. We must reject a zero-sum formulation between investing in those who have been here for decades and supporting those who have been sit here on a bus even this morning. We can do both, Chicago, and we can all thrive together. We can all thrive together. This is going to be great. But then the following day, the new Chicago mayor changed his tune a little bit, and he called the buses of illegal immigrants wicked and unconscionable. Maybe he changed his tune because Chicago residents don't want to put up with endless streams of foreign nationals breaking the law and stealing city resources. Maybe he changed his tune because he thinks that only conservative cities and states should have to deal with illegal immigration. That immigration is great, but only when it's not in my backyard. Whatever the reason, he's wrong. Mass illegal immigration is wicked and unconscionable. But the busing program out of Texas is wonderful in that it brings the reality of this crime home to the people who cheer it on. It represents the first time in my lifetime that conservatives have actually fought back on the issue and done something concrete to impel Democrats to stop it. It means conservatives are finally willing to stop playing defense and start bringing urgent political fights to Democrats' doors. The only thing wicked and unconscionable that could come from this is if we give up the fight before we win. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We have got a number of trans activists calling on doctors to break the law and prescribe puberty blockers and sex change procedures to little kids now that conservatives are getting really tough and finally starting to use the law to outlaw these kinds of procedures. So we'll get to that in just one second. First, though, this immigration issue. It's not just Chicago that you're seeing this in. New York right now, you know there's been this policy of taking the migrants who have been sent on buses from the border states, Texas especially, and then just putting them up in hotels because there's nowhere else to put the illegal immigrants. New York is saying this is a catastrophe. This is a disaster. Why do we have to deal with this? Well, it's because New York is encouraging illegal immigration. And when it was in Texas and when it was in parts of California, and that was all fine, but now that it's going into these other places, all of a sudden it's a big, terrible deal. So they just keep doing it. This temporary measure has been keeping up for months and months and months now. Now nearly half of New York City hotel rooms are filled with illegal immigrants. Half. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who's a big lib, but he's at least somewhat reasonable, he's at least somewhat open to reality, he says this is completely unacceptable. Because Adams is pointing out that right now, New Yorkers are set to foot an annual bill of $75 million to put up border crossers and illegal aliens in Manhattan's Roosevelt Hotel. Just to use one example, that's a hotel I used to stay at all the time when I would go back to New York. It's one of the most historic hotels in New York. Now filled with illegal aliens. Adams noted that the cost of illegal immigration to New Yorkers who are paying $5 million every single day to deal with the migrants will exceed 
$4.3 billion with a B when the lost tourism money comes in. Because when, when you fill up half of New York's hotels with illegal migrants who aren't paying a penny, well, that's not only a cost to the taxpayers, but that's revenue that is not coming in from outside of New York. That's, that's revenue that's not going to be spent at New York restaurants and shops and Broadway plays. Last week, Eric Adams had 4,200 border crossers and illegal aliens arrived in New York, more than 900 arriving in a single day. And the city's having 13 to 15 migrant buses arrive every single day. This is what it looks like for conservatives to get tough. Some people have objected and said, look, these are human beings and they shouldn't be put on buses and sent across the country. Texas should just deal with it. Yeah, these are human beings and they shouldn't be encouraged to break our nation's laws by cynical opportunistic Democrats who never have to deal with the cost of that. If you want illegal immigration to stop from a purely humanitarian standpoint, there was an eight-year-old girl who died in Biden administration custody just this week on top of another minor 17-year-old who died a week or two ago. Why? Because the Biden administration and the libs across the country have encouraged these migrants to come surge across the border. The only way to get that to stop, even if you don't care about the rule of law, even if you don't care about the shifting demographics of America, even if you don't care about citizens being able to say who gets to come and go, just from a purely humanitarian standpoint, you've got to convince the liberals who encourage this stuff that this is really bad for them. And the way to do that is to give people a free bus ticket to the city that never sleeps and to show them the true cost of of illegal immigration. Right now, $4.3 billion, and that barely scratches the surface, okay? We've got to drive this home. We've got to give people a clear message. When you want to send your friends a clear message, you should give them a call on Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. Do you remember the last time you got a free phone? Started out feeling great, and then came the hefty activation fees, the four-line requirements, and of course, that binding contract. Pure Talk is giving you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling that you've been duped. When you switch to Pure Talk's unlimited talk and text data plan, that comes with a mobile hotspot. You will get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right. Unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, ATT, or T-Mobile. Here's the thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. Not just a similar network, but the very same one. How do I know? Because I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the cell phone wireless company I am proud to stand behind because they provide a phenomenal product and they're proud to stand behind our mission at The Daily Wire. Pure Talk's U.S.-based customer service team helps make the switch in as little as 10 minutes, and you can even keep your phone number. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. That is puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. Ron DeSantis has been, among all of the Republican governors, leading the charge on wielding state power to drive these points home. Really great news yesterday. HB 1438, Ron DeSantis signed this into law. It allows the state to, quote, fine, suspend, or revoke the license of any public lodging establishment or public food establishment if the establishment admits a child to an adult live performance. Okay, this seems to make sense, right? We shouldn't shouldn't allow strip clubs and drag cabarets and all the rest to perform uh, obscene material for children, right? 
What's the consequence of this? The direct consequence of this, we're already seeing it, is there was a, a Pride event in Tampa that was scheduled. Tampa Pride on the River, it is canceled now. And it is canceled because the organizers don't know if they're going to violate this law. Which, first of all, tells you everything about these kinds of events. When we're told, oh, the Pride Parade, it's just about equality and fairness and kumbaya, and we're all pretty much willing grace, you know what I mean, man? That's obviously not true. If that were true, the Pride Parade event would continue. But what these Pride Parade events always include are weird dudes wearing leather, making obscene gestures, and drag queens jiggling. And especially when you factor in young people coming out to these things, it's obscene. And so the the Tampa Pride on the River admits, yeah, we're putting on lewd and licentious performances. And that's not the only one that DeSantis signed into law. DeSantis also signed into laws uh, a, a, a ban on transing the kids, uh, an anti-drag bill, and a bill uh, telling boys that they have to go to the boys' bathroom and girls that they have to go to the girls' bathroom in K-12 through schools and public facilities. Basic stuff. When we had a sane culture, even five years ago, we would not have needed laws to articulate these things. But as our culture spirals out of control and becomes untethered from reality, as people stop having a shared view of morality and just what constitutes the nature of our world— you're going to have to spell these things out a little more explicitly. The, the best part about this kind of legislation is that, at least for now, it doesn't lay out every single thing. That, that first bill that I was talking about that got the Tampa Pride event canceled, it didn't explicitly list drag performances. It just said adult performances should not be performed for kids and people will be fined and punished if they are. And the Tampa Pride felt bullied. Tampa Pride felt a, a little unsure of the consequences it was going to face if it, if it gave the performance and said, okay, better safe than sorry. That is what we want. For years and years, libertarians especially would say politics is downstream of culture. And there is some truth to that, of course. The movies that we make and the, the rituals that we engage in are obviously going to affect the, the way that we view the political community and the laws we pass. But That doesn't mean that law doesn't have any effects on the culture. And here what you're seeing is that culture is downstream of the law. If you have a a really open, licentious legal system that says anything goes, then you're going to get weirdo perverts jiggling around in leather costumes for little kids. And then if you get a normal person like Ron DeSantis who comes in and says, nah, we're very likely going to punish you if you do weird stuff like that. Guess what happens? The culture changes and the weirdos go back into their homes and put on their weird performances for themselves. This could be a real distinguishing factor in a 2024 race. If right now you've got the two top candidates, Trump and DeSantis, DeSantis is running to the right of Trump on these LGBT, drag queen, trans bathrooms kinds of issues. It's not that Trump has come out and said, I'm pro-trans bathroom or anything like that. He just hasn't really focused on these issues. So this would be one place where Ron DeSantis, who right now is struggling to some degree because some establishment forces have glommed onto his campaign, really through no fault of his own. It's just because he's not Donald Trump and the establishment forces hate Donald Trump. So DeSantis has this perception that he's to the left of Donald Trump. If he can run to the right of Donald Trump on an issue like the trans stuff, which really resonates with voters, if DeSantis can run to the right of Donald Trump on, say, abortion, 
I'm not sure that he will. You're just, you're not seeing the Trump campaign be totally clear and articulate about its stance on these issues. Then DeSantis might have a shot, though the numbers right now are not moving in the right direction for DeSantis. They are moving in the right direction for Donald Trump. Now, speaking of the LGBT community, I have just read the most nauseating article that I've read in, in a long time. I don't have a waste paper basket or anything near me, so I'm going to try to keep it together as I pull this out for the show. It is an article by Wired Magazine, this very lengthy article profile of Pete Buttigieg. There he is, Mayor Pete, looking so, he's looking cool. He's looking so hip. It says, Pete Buttigieg loves God, beer, and his electric Mustang. Sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges, but infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. Ooh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a tingle up my leg. A thrill. Here's what they're saying. I, I encourage you to read the whole profile. It is, don't do it after you've just had a big lunch. I mean, I would recommend you do it on an empty stomach. So this is how the whole thing opens. The curious mind of Pete Buttigieg holds much of its functionality in reserve, even as he discusses railroads, <laughs> derailing, no, they don't talk about derailing, railroads and airlines down to the pointless data that is his current stock and trade. The U.S. Secretary of Transportation comes off like a Mensa black card holder who might have a secret go habit. That's a game that mostly Asian people play. Or a three-second Rubik's Cube solution. Or a knack for supplying off the top of his head the day of the week for a random date in 1404, along with a non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars. That's how the piece begins. And it only gets crazier from there. But this is my favorite one. This is my favorite piece. I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. Other mental faculty, other mental facilities, no kidding, are apportioned to the Iliad, Puritan historiography, and Nausgaard's spring, though not in the original Norwegian slacker. <laughs> Fortunately, he was willing to devote yet another apps in his cathedral mind to making his ideas about three mighty themes, neoliberalism, masculinity, and Christianity, intelligible to me. I'm not going to talk about Pete Buttigieg. I'm not going to diminish his uh, cathedral-like mind. It's, to me, the most distressing part of this article is not what it says about our absolute failure of a transportation secretary. It's like the easiest job in any administration, and this guy has somehow managed to screw it up by not showing up for work and not fixing the problems he was supposed to fix and focusing on racist bridges instead of keeping our railroads secure so that trains can move on them. But put, I'm going to put that aside for a second. The thing that was most shocking to me here was that this Wired writer is impressed that a member of the president's cabinet has read the Iliad. How far has our culture fallen that that is now the sign of having gone above and beyond in one's scholarly pursuits? The Iliad. If we lived in a normal culture, every high school student would have read the Iliad. Now you need to be a Rhodes Scholar working directly for the President of the United States 
to have read one of the foundational works of Western literature that basically reads like a Marvel movie. It's not even like, like the Iliad is some really abstruse philosophy. The Iliad is a war story and poem that's really fun and exciting. We are so uncultured. We are so ignorant. We are so maleducated today that that is impressive. That, that a, a columnist, that a profile writer, a, a journalist in Wired Magazine says, other mental facilities, no kidding, are apportioned to the Iliad. No kidding. Yeah, I hope. I hope the people running our government have read like even the basic works of our civilization. Ah, these low expectations. It's a failure of journalistic integrity, of course, but it's just pathetically low expectations. How long are we supposed to continue as a republic if we live like this? If we don't know a damn thing about anything and we're impressed when our leaders can read? Not, Not a good sign. Speaking of expectations, this is pretty creepy. Florida researchers, uh, University of Florida researchers, they were working on basically an unrelated project, and they discovered that they can collect human DNA in the air. They were just studying sea turtles, and, and they noticed that they were collecting a lot of human DNA because, quote, we cough, spit, shed, and flush our DNA into all of these places and countless more, and then you just pick it up. So what does this mean? It means that you don't need to worry so much if you sent in your DNA spit sample to one of those ancestry websites and then check it. Listen, if they want to clone you, they're going to clone you. You don't, you don't need to send them a spit sample to do that. We, we are not just hurtling toward our dystopian future. We are there. Oh my goodness, people can collect our DNA just from the air. Yeah, but think about where we are already. We are under 24-7 surveillance usually multiple kinds. If you've got a phone on you right now, you probably do if you're listening to this show. If you're sitting near a computer, if you're sitting in a neighborhood, if you're certainly if you're in an office right now, if you have a TV in some cases, you are being spied on all the time. And we, we often think of this as the the dystopian future. Oh, can you imagine when we get to this Terminator-like place? We're already there. That dystopian future that we are all dreading is now. Speaking of surveillance, you know the Jordan Neely killing on the subway, which is being called a murder by all the libs, and which is being called heroic self-defense and the protection of a community by conservatives. So which is it? Did this Marine, did he go out there? Because he's probably racist. You know, all these guys, they're racist. Did he go out there because he just wanted to kill a poor innocent man? who He just wanted to moonwalk on the subway. He's basically Michael Jackson. But better than Michael Jackson because he didn't do the kid stuff. Or was this guy protecting the subway train from a, a career criminal who'd been picked up at least 42 times, who had assaulted people, who had given a, a 60-something-year-old woman a black eye, Well, according to an eyewitness, it's the latter. Eyewitness says, I'm sitting on a train reading my book, and all of a sudden I hear someone spewing this rhetoric. He said, I don't care if I have to kill an F, I will. I'll go to jail. I'll take a bullet. So not only threatening violence on people, saying, I don't care. I don't care if I have to kill somebody. I'm not only going to be violent, I'm going to kill somebody said everyone on the train was scared for our lives. Neely had 42 prior arrests and an active warrant. Just a couple years ago, Neely attacked a 67-year-old woman, gave her a black eye and a broken nose, and then 
this hero Marine comes in and he takes the guy down. And the guy should be given a key to the city and the guy should be given an award. And instead, they're going to try to throw him in prison. What we can see from this is that disfavored groups are judged on a curve. Okay, obviously, if the races were reversed here, you wouldn't hear about it. It'd be totally fine. No big deal whatsoever. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is because this guy is white, because he was in the military, because the the career criminal who was killed is black, this guy is going to have to be so buttoned up and perfect. You're, you're going to have to have eyewitnesses going even further than this woman. You're going to have to, and I hope this is what happened for this poor Marine's sake. I hope that this guy, this Neely, was so explicit in what he was obviously likely to do on the subway. I will kill people if I am not taken down by a Marine right now and choked on the ground. I really hope that is the case because in our unjust system, this Marine, who this is an open and shut common sense case, in our unjust system, this guy is going to have to be perfectly buttoned up or he is going to get the book thrown at him. Now, speaking of books, a lot of people, when they go to buy cars, they do so with a big book of prices. Well, you don't need to do that anymore. You got to go check out CarZing. Right now, go to CarZing.com slash Knowles. Buying a new car can be a stressful experience for anyone, especially if you're a first-time buyer or have no credit. Before you walk into a dealership and spend the whole day with the crowds and the stress and the potential not even to find a car, you need to check out CarZing. CarZing is completely changing the way you buy a car online. By partnering with credit agencies, lenders, and over 25,000 dealers nationwide, CarZing provides you with everything you need before stepping foot into a dealership. You can instantly pre-qualify online without affecting your credit score and get instant financing details, including what your down payment would be, your monthly payment term, APR, putting you several steps ahead of other buyers. Once you find the right car at your ideal budget, all you've got to do is bring your saved deal voucher with you to the dealership, finalize your next ride. It is so simple. Even if you're not in the market for a new car, you should check out CarZing anyway. It's like window shopping. Just poke around. You see what's available in your area. CarZing helps make your experience faster, cheaper, less stressful. Go to CarZing.com slash Knowles. Skip all that guesswork. CarZing.com slash Knowles. Now, speaking of the culture... Uh, we've got a lot of leftism in uh, in our culture right now, and we've got a lot of grading on a curve and all the rest of it. The Buffalo Bills cut punter, Matt Areza, has been booted out of football. And why is that? Because of an allegation surfacing that he participated in a gang rape of a minor. Okay, And this really ties in with what we've been saying about the disfavored groups here in our culture. The accusation is that he participated in the gang rape of a minor while he attended San Diego State University. The accuser filed a civil lawsuit against Areza and three other men, including two former SDSU teammates. Then prosecutors in San Diego's DA's office declined to file criminal charges. Why? Why did they decline to file charges? Because the guy wasn't even there at the time. He couldn't have committed this crime he wasn't even in the building at the time. According to Yahoo, DA's office concluded Areza couldn't, couldn't have led the girl into the alleged gang rape because he had left the home at about 12.30 a.m., an hour prior to when evidence suggested the alleged gang rape would have occurred. He wasn't even at the party anymore. 
The DA's office says that this girl did appear to have sexual contact with a bunch of guys at this party, but that none of it appears to indicate rape. And in fact, some of it was caught on camera because we're being surveilled 24-7, and it shows that her story was not true. But this guy, this football player, was already tried in the media, and his life is already ruined. <laughs> his career is already ruined, and that's that. And there are many, many such cases. Now, one conclusion from this is obviously people should have due process. We shouldn't have people tried for very serious crimes by committees of, of professors or by hack journalists or anybody else. There's another side to this story, though, which is, was co-education a mistake? I'm not saying in all cases, I'm not saying, but right now we have an educational system that does not distinguish really in any way between men and women, including in dormitories, including in suites in dormitories. There will be gender neutral suites. So you're sharing a room with men and women. You're sharing a bathroom. That's been going on for 10 years. That was true when I was in college. And obviously you're sharing dormitories. And is that, is that smart? I don't know. If you put people who are just brimming bags of hormones, and then you ply them with alcohol, which is what happens at every single college campus. And then the, the lines of, of consent get a little bit blurry when people can, are no longer in command of their rational faculties. And so all of a sudden you've got cases of regret, which he, th- then seem to be rape, or one can make a claim of rape, even though investigations and even surveillance footage will show that it wasn't actually a rape. But was this If we're talking about how the law is a teacher and culture can be downstream of the law, wouldn't it make sense to just draw some of these distinctions a little bit more, recognize that women are, in fact, the weaker sex, men ought to be chivalrous. Uh, When you put young men and women together in certain situations and they're there all the time and they're drinking a lot and things can happen that are not conducive to their virtue, we talk about how we don't know the difference between men and women anymore because of the transgender issue. These issues started way before that. And so if men and women really are different, shouldn't we acknowledge that in all sorts of places in our law? Speaking of weird sex stuff, this is also a story that I've been meaning to get to, and I'm glad we have time to get to it right now. Uh, In 2021, the Utah governor signed a bill requiring phones and computers sold in the state to come equipped with a filter that blocks porn. And Utah very recently has has upped some of the legislation on pornography. But that was a really big move that took place a couple of years ago. And the filter could be deactivated, but it would already be on the phones and computers by default. But the bill hasn't gone into effect yet because the bill only goes into effect if five other states pass a similar law. And presumably, this is not to put an undue burden on the computer and phone companies to have to do this just for the state of Utah. Maybe that was the compromise there. Okay. I hope other states pass this because if you want to protect young people from bizarre ideologies and maleducation and weird sex stuff, it's not enough to just look at the uh, transing the kids procedures. It's not enough to just look at what's going on in elementary school classrooms. It's not enough to just look at I don't know, critical race theory or men competing in women's sports or all of that. If you really wanted to protect young people, you would just go after porn. This is a ubiquitous problem. 
the average age of being exposed to porn is something like 11. It can go down as low as age eight. It's a big problem, okay? And people write into this show all the time. They say, I got hooked on porn. My life has gotten really screwed up because of it. Go after that. Do Republicans have the chutzpah to do it? The libs obviously don't. They're very pro-porn. They want porn in the public square. Do the conservatives have the chutzpah to do that? I don't know that they do. Now, speaking of weird sex stuff, a trans activist is calling on his fellow trans identifying people to break the law. Increasingly, as the governors come in and they say, no more transing the kids, no more puberty blockers for kids, no more sex change procedures for kids. There are a number of transsexuals, trans identifying people who say we've got to break the law pay attention to the news lately and my life is going really great but unfortunately there's a lot of people trans people trans youth who are really suffering right now and need our support like this bill in mississippi is absolutely appalling to me the fact that the government is overstepping its bounds like the government does not have any right to legislate your gender identity so if you're trans youth if you're a trans adult don't detransition don't hide don't be be as out there and as bold as you possibly can be without necessarily jeopardizing your own safety. I'm not saying you should do be safe, but like we need to stand up and tell the government what for because this is absolute bullshit. Uh, don't detransition. If you're a medical provider, do everything you can to not obey the laws. These are unjust laws. They have no right to be existing and the moral thing to do is to break them in whatever way possible like i'm there's parts of me that want to do things that i can't say on here to people that are doing this to people and it really makes me so sad and this this the only thing that i hate in life is imposing suffering onto other people who don't deserve it because i know what that feels like so i'm sorry for the late night rambling ranting video and i know i try to make a lot of positive uplifting content on here but like it does have to be addressed and uh, there's a, i tagged um content creators in here go sign the petition in josh's bio uh go follow them too for gay news and stand up do whatever it takes march in the streets i'm gonna do be whatever going it takes okay you get the picture and i'm gonna be so what, what this guy is calling for is civil disobedience against what he says are unjust laws. Now, I know people are going to have an emotional reaction to this immediately when you hear this demented individual say that we need to make sure that doctors violate the laws so that they can go in and pump your kids full of poison and chop their genitals off. I know that is, gonna, is going to impel people to have a visceral reaction and say, bro... We're going to chase you out of town on a rail, or we're going to lock you up in prison or in a mental institution or something like that. And I get all of that, and that that could be a discussion for a later time. What we should deal with, though, is his claim. He's saying, these laws that say that you can't chop off kids' genitals, they're unjust because men can secretly be women or something. And that's my view, and that's why we need to stand up against those laws. Okay, if people stand up against those laws... If people do what this guy is saying, that is very sad for them because they're mistaken about what justice is and they're mistaken about what human nature is. And it would be good to correct these people and not allow these pathologies to spread so much that we're seeing these sorts of videos. But if they do that, then we need to give them what they ask for. If they do that, they say, we're going to break the law, consequences come what may, we need to throw them into prison. And that's going to be the next step. Signing the legislation is really, really great. And it's good stuff for the Republican governors who have done that and the legislators who have done that. But now when people break the laws, when they, when they 
peddle porn to kids in elementary schools, when they trans the children. We're getting reports that in Texas Children's Hospital, some of these quacks performed sex change procedures on kids as young as 11. Okay, when these people break the law, we need to throw the book at them. We are now living in a system in which if you're a good American Marine who has served your country, you're a good patriot, and you protect people from a career violent criminal with dozens and dozens of arrests, including for assault, and you protect them from a guy who's saying, I'm going to kill an F, I'm going to kill, I don't care, I'm prepared to die, you're going to go to prison. They're going to throw the book at you. But if you chop off kids' genitals, you're, you're, barely, you're not even going to get a slap on the wrist. Okay, We're living in that system right now, and we need to flip that situation. We need to live in a system that does not punish people for doing good things, but encourages them to do good things. We need to live in a system that punishes people for doing bad things, very, very bad things in this case. If you, along with tens of millions of people, watched Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer, then you are going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part series with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer, coming this summer. Whether it is exposing Black Lives Matter or certain fallacies, rather, in the healthcare industry regarding COVID, Candace is unafraid to challenge the narrative. When Candace found out that key facts may have been omitted in Netflix's series, she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The result, which is coming soon, is a new series called Convicting a Murderer. You will not want to miss it. Right now, there's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. Sign up now for Convicting a Murderer, and you will receive an early bird discount of 35% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. Do not wait until the series comes out this summer because the deal won't last long. You will also get all of the other premium content from DW+, including The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman, and Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's series on the Book of Exodus. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member and see the truth when it finally comes out. My favorite comment yesterday is from Deborah Gessner, who says, Megan, I'm a B-list actor who married a prince so I could live my life in privacy. Markle is at it again. That's true. When people tell you who they are, you should believe it. Now, I want to hear who you are and what you've got to ask. We will do that in the mailbag. Sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Take it away. Hey, Michael. This week at my job, I was forced to sit through yet another nauseating DEI webinar. During this presentation, they were talking about a, a, a great initiative to help underserved communities um, with businesses that are trying to thrive in those communities to make them healthier, which is a great initiative. But in doing so, they were presenting data that shows gross numbers from white-owned businesses versus minority-owned versus black. The problem, as we know, is it, it looks terrible, but it's in disproportionate. But in, in context to the ratio of the population, it actually is appropriate because only 13% of the population is black, despite what they want us to believe. So here's my question. Why do such smart people, because I know that these are smart people, use data points that don't actually support their claim as if they think that we're too stupid to look up the population? Interested to hear your thoughts. Well, one, because they think you're too stupid to look up (laughs) the numbers. And two, because it doesn't matter. We live in a scientific age and a, a scientistic age. And so we are living in a culture that believes that statistics and social science, those are the only ways to make arguments. And this isn't true. In fact, those are some of the weakest ways to make arguments. But because we have degraded 
our view of philosophy and theology and morality. That's just what people do now. And so that's how you end up with kind of silly arguments. Well, because X percent did this and 37,000 cubits of that did who's he, what's this, then therefore we need to punish white people. Say, like, uh, I don't, that doesn't seem like a very compelling syllogism to me. But that, that's why they do that. And it's also because the DAI initiative has nothing to do with justice for anybody. It's simply a, a retributive regime to punish disfavored groups, including white people, including men, including people who have a normal view of sex and engage in normal sexual behaviors, uh, in, and especially including conservatives, anybody who questions the liberal regime and DEI itself. So that's all it's about. They could give you numbers. They could make up different numbers. They could show you a cartoon instead of showing you numbers at all. It doesn't matter. The the point is always the same. Punish the people that we don't like. Okay, next one. Hey, Michael. I'm a conservative Catholic, or at least I try my best to be one. I went to Franciscan University and Notre Dame for undergrad, and now I'm in the Air Force for pilot training. My question is, I feel that God is calling me to be a father and a husband. However, I'm 27 years old now, and ever since I was a teenager, I have struggled with same-sex attraction. Now, I have dated girls in the past, and I genuinely did like them, but over the years, the same-sex attraction seems to have gotten a bit stronger. I do go to confession fairly regularly, um, and I know that God is able to forgive my sins when I have an honest confession, but I was wondering, should I be so blessed to find a woman who would like to marry me? Um, Do you think it's possible that she could also forgive me for my sins? Um, despite me having this history with struggling with hmm. same-sex attraction. Uh, thank you very much for your time, and God bless. Really, really good question, and it's a, a tough situation that you're in. I mean, we all deal with difficulties and you know various uh, aspects of this fallen world that cause suffering. That, that's a tough one. That's definitely a tough one, especially if you're saying, look, I have this attraction, but I, I don't want to pursue that attraction, which is how people used to view these things, and now we're told, no, if you have any sexual attraction, you have to indulge it all the time. And what you're saying is, no, I have two wills here. You're just, it'd be, it'd be like saying, you know, you, you want to eat the third cookie after dinner, but you're feeling a little fat. And so you want to, your appetite says, I want to eat it, but your rational will is saying, no, I don't want to eat the cookie. And so you've got this, this, conflict here. And you're saying, okay, my appetite is that I have attraction to people of the same sex, but my rational will tells me that's not what my sex is for. And even even beyond that, my rational will is telling me I want to be a dad and I want to have a normal family. And I want to, and I do want a wife, even if I'm not totally sexually attracted to her. I, you know, I I don't know, for for whatever other reason, perhaps you, you want a wife. Okay. What What you've said, I think, is important where you say, could she forgive me? Because what what you're saying here is, I'm not going to deceive this woman. I'm going to be upfront about these sexual struggles that I've dealt with. And I I think that's probably a good thing. I don't know. I'm a little out of my depth here, I would say, because for all of my sins, this is not one of the issues that I've dealt with. And I'm not a priest and I'm not a counselor in this regard. So I would encourage you, if you go to confession, talk to your priest about this. Uh, You know, talk to other people. There's a, a great group, a Catholic group called, is it called Courage, maybe? Or forget the name, which uh, deals with same-sex attraction and, and, you know, how to deal with that if you don't want to pursue that kind of lifestyle. Um, so I, I would, I would talk through all of that and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deceive anybody, but if, if we're living in a culture in which is so sexually 
perverse through often no fault of, of people, you know, people who've been exposed to porn at a young age and they get into some kind of weird porn desire or some, you know, uh, I don't know, you're like furries or something like that. I mean, people's brains have been kind of melted. And so a great many people are dealing with sexual disorder to some degree, maybe not the exact same one that you have, but to some degree. And so if we tell all of those people, well, you can't have a normal life, well, then there goes civilization. <laughs> and if there is such a thing as a gay gene, which I'm not totally sure that there is, but if there's some biological aspect of homosexuality uh, compared to a, a cultural aspect, then presumably guys who have the same sex attraction have been getting married to women, now we have to specify, for all of human history. So it, it has been done, I think, you know, taking these things seriously, looking at yourself in the mirror and trying to deal with them in a rational way is, uh, is really good and really healthy. And uh, so I, I would encourage you to seek out those resources and then look to honesty. And then it's not up to me to see if a woman can look past that. It's, it's up to the woman. Next question. Hey, Michael. Big Papa Longnecker here. Big fan of the show. I've got a really pressing question in regard to in regards to Leah Thomas or William Thomas. Um, how has the nickname Willie Thomas not caught on yet? Uh, it just seems like a big missed opportunity there. Um, so thought you could weigh in on that. Also, just wanted to say, big fan of your book, Speechless. Did they get it? Did it ding? Well, anyways, that's all for now. Thanks. That might be the best question I've ever... Thank you. Thank you. It, was a little, it was a little delayed, but that's okay. That was a really powerful question. Though I, I do have to dispute your suggestion in that from what I've read from the news reports of all the nicknames that that guy could have, I don't think that one would be apt any longer. What do I know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to know anymore. Okay, next question. Hey, Michael. I'm currently reading through the Dune series by Frank Herbert. I think they're phenomenal science fiction novels. And I was wondering if you'd ever consider diving into science fiction of any kind on your series, The Book Club, on PragerU. I think it'd spark really interesting conversation because a lot of science fiction is very heady, very philosophical, and explores themes of human nature. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say. And I would absolutely love to see science fiction on The Book Club. Funny you say that. I'm in California right now filming several episodes of the book club. We will have those coming out shortly. We had a lot of great guests. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't want to do science fiction on the book club. I'm not denigrating science fiction as a genre. Many of my friends who are erudite and serious readers, they love science fiction. I just can't get into it. But I guess that's one of the reasons that we should do it because people love sci-fi. And just because I don't, There's no reason that I shouldn't try to expand my mind and I shouldn't give the people what they want. So that's not a bad If you can recommend good sci-fi for me to read, we can do it. I don't even know where to begin. I guess I should read Dune. Okay, we've got a lot more questions here. We've got, how about this little tease? This will be just like a little bit of a tease for the member block. Question from Renata. Says, Michael, recently our family found ourselves stumped on acupuncture. Is it unholy? Or is it innocent enough? I just thought it's pressure points and it always had a way of calming me down, feeling almost like a deep, relaxing massage. And I've recently been reading the benefits it could have to fertility. But when they start talking about chi and stuff, I just don't know what to think. Is acupuncture unholy? Praying for you and your family. Please send some prayers our way on us getting started with our own family. Well, I certainly can do that. 
uh, Renata, and I will give you my answer on acupuncture, but only in the member block. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.